Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. So glad y'all came to church, brave the cold weather and the rain. Uh, and all our first-time guests and new people, welcome. Make yourself at home. Enjoy. This is a safe place. This is a fun place. Um, it's, it's a good place to be. Pastor Eric will be here uh, on Wednesday and next Sunday. And I always want to bring honor and appreciation to Pastor Eric and Pastor Heather um, for one, letting me come to their church, two, letting me be on their staff, and three, letting me get behind their pulpit. I do not take it lightly, and I really appreciate every opportunity that they give me and for them trusting in me and, and letting this Cajun boy talk a little bit. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I also want to say a thank you uh, to everyone that came to the press Christmas party last Sunday. It was a very good success. We ate a lot of food. Um, there was karaoke. Um, we're not going to show those videos of uh, the craziness that ensued. Someone did do an amazing rendition of a Little Mermaid song, and I would love to play that. Uh, I don't think he's here, but man, if he was, we'd have him come up on stage and do it. Um, I want to say thank you to Heather and Pearl and Faith uh, for everything that they did to help set up, and I want to give it a special thank you to my wife. Um, she made all the food, did the whole party, and made it a success, and I just showed up. So thank all you ladies for helping out. Um, and I also want to give a special thank you uh, to our sound team and our worship band. Uh, for those who don't know, we got a brand new board uh, that makes me sound good and the entire band sound even amazing because they already sound good in this new microphone. Uh, there are a lot of people that gave very generously to this project behind the scenes, and I want to say thank you that the Lord is watching and he will repay very handily, and I believe that. Um, so thank y'all uh, for showing up, for all y'all do sound people. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are learning all this band for everything that y'all do. Y'all are amazing. We are preparing for a new building and for new growth, and so we are actively doing things in the church to make sure that we're prepared for these seats to be filled and overflowing. So we want to make sure that everything sounds good. We want to make sure that we're doing everything right because we want to, one, make sure y'all have an amazing experience and whoever's sitting to your left and right to experience the presence and power of God like they've never experienced before. So when they walk in, they recognize that there's something different here, and they walk out changed and never the same. That's our goal as the staff. And I want to say thank you to all of our leadership and everyone that serves. Y'all are doing a great job. Can we give a round of applause for all of them? I also unbuttoned my jacket because I'm wearing suspenders, and I thought I wanted to just show them off. I didn't want it to go unnoticed, so I'll button it back up. But uh, I make this look good sometimes. I'm joking. My wife dressed me. We're going to be reading out of John chapter 1 today. John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 1, we're going to start in verse 37. And let me pray and invite the Holy Spirit back in because Carl might have run him off. So <laughs> we, want to, we want to get him back in here. I love you, Carl. Last one with the mic gets to say stuff, though. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for allowing us to come together in this church. We thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. I thank you where two or more are gathered, that there you are in the midst. And here you are residing, actively moving in between these seats. And you're healing people, and you're saving people, and you're restoring people, and you're bringing freedom to each and every person here. 
Father, I thank you for this word that I'm about to give, that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak this word that you've given me. Out of my belly will flow rivers of living water, not by my might, not by my power, but it's by your spirit, Father, that will propel this message into each and every person's ears and spirits to receive, and that they will be quickened to act and change and move and breathe and flow in the calling that you have for them, Father. Let us have a good time, and dear Lord, nobody else prays for them. Please let the saints win one game before the end of the season. Somebody's got to love them, and dear Lord, please let them win. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. They play at 12 and 16 minutes, so here we go. We're going to fly through this. For those who have heard me preach before, at the beginning of my sermon, I usually like to, to share a an intimate story, a personal story of, of something that has happened in my life. And um, I also want to share my culture of Louisiana to you Texans um, and let you know that it's not all bad. There's, there's a lot of things that you hear about Louisiana, and yes, they are true, um, but they're not all bad. We are the last in a lot of things, something we take pride in, because <laughs> to be last across the board, I mean, it takes skill. I mean, we're beating Alabama. I mean, come on, we're, we're good. I mean, we're last in everything. Education, we're last in roads, last in politics, we're last in finances, we're last in sports teams, we're last in everything, and we take pride in that. But we got good people and good food, so we have a good time. We party in our last. But... Being a Cajun from Louisiana, I want to give you some words and some definitions of those words so that you can jump on this train of this message today and, and, and understand what I'm saying. I, I want to bring some clarification to it. And so I just want to give you a, just a couple list of words uh, that I grew up saying or was being told um, so that you can understand where I'm coming from and you won't get lost through the message. So when I was younger, there's this word that my mom and a majority of people used to call me. It's called couillon. Everybody, let's make a word of it. One, two, three, couillon. Like I said, I was called this word from time to time all my life, and it stands for imbecile, crazy, <laughs> foolish person. Supposedly, when I was younger, I had this enjoyment of running headfirst into walls at church. I think that's where I got my revelation from. My parents disagree. My parents have told me that they do listen to this podcast, and even my grandparents do, um, and they say that they find out so much stuff about what I did uh, in and outside of their protection, um, and so, mom and dad, here you go. Um, the next word that we have is sha, S-H-A, sha. The French word, which is the same word, is cher, C-H-E-R. Did I pronounce that correctly? Eh, okay, maybe not. Um, <laughs> But the Cajun French said, you know what, that's too long of a word. C-H-E-R, we can't deal with that. So we're going to shorten it down to sha, S-H-A. That's how smart we are. And it's just a term of endearment. You know, you see a pretty picture, or you, you, you see my son, and you say, oh, look, oh, sha, look how cute he is. You know, it can also be an endearment of like, oh, that's my girl, that's my lady. You know, that's my sha, she's on the front row, love her to death, my number one. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> There's another phrase that we used to say as, uh, as we were younger is get down, get down. Um, and we're not talking about dancing, 
we would show up to a store or we'd show up to a friend's house and my mom would say, do you want to get down or do you want to stay in the car? Do you want to get down? And uh, I'd say, no, I'll stay in here and, and listen to the radio. I want to get down. The last word that I'm going to share with you is come see. Come see. And it's something that my wife has learned and heard quite frequently with my strong education. She'd be in another room and I'd say, hey, come see. She'd come over and say, well, what do you want me to see? And I'd say, no, I just want you to sit next to me. I just want you to... And the definition is to come here. Come see is come here. Come here. Come see. She'd be like, well, what do you want to see? Nothing. I just, just want to hold you and love you and stuff. She's like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm going. Good. And so as I was praying and studying through this week to come up with a message, the Lord put this simple phrase upon my heart, come and see. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to correct the Lord, and I said, it's not come and see, it's just come see. No? Okay. And um, <laughs> Sorry, Lord, no correction. Um, but come and see. And so I started investigating in the scriptures, where is that exact phrase, come and see? The word come is all over the Bible, the word and is all over the Bible, the word see is all over the Bible, but where is that exact phrase come and see? So when I pull it up, there's only a handful of them, and there's like five or six references in Revelations where it talks about Jesus opening the scrolls and the beast are saying, come and see. And I thought that's a great way to preach today, so we're going to preach about the beast of Revelation. I'm joking. We're not going to go that deep. But in John chapter 1, come and see is referenced twice in just a short amount of verses. And it captured my attention. And that's where we're going to stay today. And the title of my sermon, Come and See. So we're going to start in 137, John 137. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher. Where are you staying? And then Jesus, he, said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. So to give a little backstory of this, this is happening around the time that John the Baptist is thriving in his ministry uh, in the Sea of Galilee. He's baptizing everyone, and he's getting his own disciples, his own following. Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, there he is. That's, that's the one that we're waiting for. And he baptizes him. And then we notice that in this passage of John, that these two disciples of John leave and are following Jesus. They say, well, you told him. Our pastor said to follow that pastor, so see you later. And so Jesus notices that he's got a tail behind him. He sees two guys following him. And so he tries to juke and jive his way through Jerusalem He's running through the streets trying to get away from them. It's my interpretation. And finally he stops. Jesus is out of breath and says, what, what do you want? What are you seeking? Why are you following me? And at that moment they had Jesus' attention and at that moment they had the opportunity to answer anything and everything. What are you seeking? Could have answered anything. Oh, we, we were trying to find where the nearest McDonald's were. We, we thought you knew where it was or... We thought you were bringing us back to John, the Baptist, we, but you're running all over the place. We, we, we have all these questions, and this is what they ask. Where are you staying? And Jesus says, well, come and see. So the first thing I want to highlight and bring up 
is what do you seek? What do you seek? The word seek there is zateo, and it means to crave, to seek, demand something from someone. Out of all the questions that Jesus could have asked them, he asked, what do you seek? And it's a universal question that is still being asked today, even in this moment, even in this service, as I ask it right now to you. What do you seek? Everyone is seeking something. We're all looking for something in our life. We're learning and looking, how can I make more money? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better man? How can I be a better woman? How can I be healthy? How can I eat that pizza and still maintain a sick bathing suit body? How can I read a short magazine to learn how to get a six-pack in 30 days? I'm tired of 30 days. What about 30 minutes? What am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? How am I going to provide? We're all seeking something. How can I get rid of my insecurities? How can I be what God has called me to be? How can I pursue what God has told me to do? There's these dreams, there's these visions, and how do I seek and how do I find them? And Jesus is standing there asking these disciples, what do you seek? And I stand here today with the backing of the Lord asking you, what do you seek in your life? Because if we read the Gospels, we see that there were a lot of people that were seeking things from Jesus. Some of them are just looking to go to this new quote-unquote freak show. There's this guy that's tearing up the town. He's the new Justin Bieber of the Galilee Sea, and, he's, and everybody's just running around trying to find out who he is. He's bringing these crowds, and people are ticked, and people are happy, and miracles are happening. People aren't even trying to touch Jesus or be near him, and they're just in the crowd, and he feeds the 5,000. Miracles are just popping up everywhere, and if you can just get anywhere near him, there's a potential of something changing in their lives. They're looking for healing. The woman with the issue of blood says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Jesus didn't ask, what were you seeking? She already understood, if I could just, if I could just get there. She's purposely looking and seeking. Is he here? Is he in this town? He just left? I'll go to another one. Is he here? He is here. What street is he on? Second street? I'll be there. We even see Peter trying to figure out how to pay taxes, seeking for financial reward. He says, I'll oh, just go get it out of fish. It's over there. So something so simple. We see the thief on the cross as he dies, deserving every ounce of pain and suffering. As the other thief makes fun of Jesus, he, he seeks Jesus at his last breath. He says, I realize and recognize who you are. Please save me. Please remember me in paradise. We see people seeking Jesus for all different reasons. I want to encourage you today. What are you seeking? And are you seeking it through Jesus? We see that even Jesus himself was seeking. And if Jesus himself is seeking, that gives us great initiative to seek ourselves. We see it, see it says in Luke, when we're dealing with, he just goes and visits Zacchaeus. I had to play the song in my head. Zacchaeus, what's that? <laughs> he just goes to Zacchaeus' house and him and his whole family get saved. And this is what Jesus says. For the Son of Man has come to seek 
and save that which is lost. Even Jesus himself is seeking something. And I'm here to tell the good news to you that he's seeking you and he's seeking me because I was lost. I was a sinner. I was a failure. I was a loser. In that moment, he says, I found you. I'm looking for you. Jesus is seeking. And if Jesus is seeking, we need to be seeking. And if we're seeking and he's asking, what are you seeking? We need to be telling him. Earlier in the week, uh, my wife was doing some laundry in the other room, and she yelled at me from the other room, and she said, hey, come see. I said, oh, I know what that means. So I went in there, and she was watching a show that she kind of likes. I'm a, I hate it. I hate the show. But she enjoys it. And it's a show about a group of women they're all family. And if you watch the show, you keep up with them. I don't even want to speak their name, but in my notes, if I had it pulled up, it says, dumb Kardashian story is what it says <laughs> verbatim. She says, I want you to see this clip. And so after I threw the laptop out of the apartment for watching that vileness, I went and recovered it and watched it. And it was one of the main characters had just experienced the loss. Somebody in their family had passed away. And he's sitting there with uh, his wife or girlfriend or whatever she is at this moment. And they're talking to this spiritual advisor. And it looks like an Indian chief. Um, and they're talking about, he's like, I I've gone through this loss and I've never experienced this before. I don't know how to handle losing a family member. It's something I haven't experienced before. And he goes, it just feels empty and I'm paraphrasing it because I wasn't really paying attention too much to him. Um, but the gist of it is, he says, I just feel empty. He says, and I've tried different things. I thought money and material things would fix it. He's like, and, and maybe religion. He's like, but I just don't think it's, it's for me. I just don't think it works. I, I just don't think I can get into it. But he just starts opening up for this 30-second clip window of this not real reality TV show, he reveals his heart and he's searching and he's seeking and he's tried to do so many different things and nothing was satisfying him. And in the moment of his pain that he's never experienced before, he's seeking and he's asking and he's looking and he's looking in all the wrong places and he's suffering because Jesus is standing there saying, what do you seek? And he's like, well, I'll try something else. I'll try this. I'll try that. And we see that in that moment that you're in, that he's in, that I'm in, what are you seeking? Everyone's seeking. But are you seeking through the filter of Jesus? Are you seeking through Jesus asking that? Because we can go out and search to fix things on our own. If I'm sick, I can go to the doctor and figure out, well, should I take these pills or organic pills or no pills at all? If I don't have money, I can say, hey, let's go rob a bank. Or maybe I get an actual job. Or, or maybe I get one of those internet jobs, you know. Maybe I try that, you know. Or maybe I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to fulfill this void in my soul. Am I, am I going to try Christianity? Am I going to try Islam? Am I going to try Mormonism? Am I, am I going to try being an atheist? Am I going to just try this? 
We can seek and do all kinds of things, but I'm asking you today, are you seeking through Jesus? Because when you seek through Jesus, he answers by saying this simple phrase, come and see. Come and see. It's amazing that Jesus asked them, what are you seeking? And they, they answer. They could have said anything. Jesus could have asked anything. Jesus says, what are you seeking? And they could have said, the meaning of life. Why is the sky blue? Does the ocean reflect off the sky or the sky? How's it? Jesus, tell me. Chicken or the egg? What is it, Jesus? And they ask, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. And the very next part of that verse, it says, they came and saw where he was staying. They asked the question, where are you staying? Jesus answered it verbatim. And they came and saw where he was staying and then remained with him that day. You see, it says in Matthew 7, and we've all heard this passage time and time again, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. The disciples asked a very specific question. Jesus responds with a very specific answer. He immediately meets the need. Ask and you shall receive. It's that simple. We have messed it up and put so much law jargon in there. And Jesus right here shows the perfect example. Just ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Jesus, being the great, loving, caring father that he is, repeats himself, just in case you didn't understand when he said ask and you shall receive. Verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives, just in case I didn't make enough clarity in my first statement, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and in who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, if the son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask them? Jesus said, what are you seeking? They told him. He answered it. It's pretty simple. How do we complicate it? How do we complicate it so much? In Psalms, it says 34.8, and I quote it a lot whenever I talk about offering. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, the word taste is taim, and it does mean taste, but not in this instance. There's only a handful of places where it doesn't mean taste, but it says taste. What the word actually means is perceive. Perceive. Oh, perceive and see that the Lord is good. My Louisiana education didn't bring me to that big of a word, so I had to look it up in the dictionary and Google it first to spell it, but we got there. <laughs> Become aware or conscious of something. Come to realize or understand interpret or look on in a particular way. Become aware or conscious of. You have to be conscious that the Lord is good. You have to become aware of it. It doesn't just happen. You have to purposely perceive and see that the Lord is good. There are so many things that are going on in the world. You watch CNN, Fox News, anything that you turn the TV on, there's death, destruction, and despair. 
And in that moment, you have to have tunnel vision and start perceiving and seeing that the Lord is good. Well, God's met me here, so if he's done it once, he'll do it again. I heard a story about a guy getting healed of this. I know that their relationship was restored here. I've experienced God. He's given me dreams and visions. He's talked to me before. We have to tunnel vision it, block everything out. I have to perceive and see that the Lord is good. I have to taste and see that the Lord is good. I have to perceive and see that the Lord is good. We see in that second part of the scripture when he says, come and see, he invites him into the house. Not only does he invite him into the house, they spend a long amount of time together. It says they spend up to, it was around the 10th of the hour by the time they get done. So Jesus doesn't just say, what do you want? We want to see where you're staying. All right, come and see. So they start walking, and they finally get to a road. He's like, whoa, whoa, stop, right there. Now look down this road. You see that house? The chimney? It's the mud hut over there? It's got some, some smoke. What? My mom, Mary, she's sweeping the front porch. You see her? I can barely see that, Jesus. Is that your house? Yeah, yeah, it's right there. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, you saw my house. See y'all later. Don't. Private property. <laughs> Joseph will shoot. He will. He's from the Texas side of Bethlehem. And they're like, oh, well, I, I mean, I guess we saw it. You know, he was, he was right. He said, come and see. No. It's not what he does. He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. My God is a God of abundance. Not only does he say, let me take you into my house, you can stay for as long as you need to. Come and see is not just, there it is, way down there. He takes you right in and experiencing everything. Come and see. If you come to my house and you're one of my young adults, you've come and seen my house. And when you come in my house, whatever you want, eat, they destroy it. My wife cooks food, they eat it all. They sit all over my sofas, pour coffee all over my floor. <laughs> Definitely not getting my deposit back. Charge it to the church or something, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe get out the offering, Carl, maybe we could pass the bucket again. But they come and see, and they stay for as long as they want. You know, I tell them, it's from 6 to 8, 6 to 8, 10 o'clock. I'm like, I'm just going to bed. Y'all know where the lights are. Just save me some milk so I can drink some in the morning. They just come in, and they just, they just enjoy themselves. That's what I want them to do. That's what God wants you to do. Come into my house and see, experience everything. When I was younger, I didn't get the opportunity to, to grow up with um, bad music. Uh, I grew up with uh, contemporary Christian music, you know, the best out there. I didn't know about anything else in the world. I just knew that, that Carmen was the best dancer out there. When he came walking out on stage, righteous invasion of truth. I mean, we're about to, we're about to riot in this place. Remember as a kid, Salty the Singing Songbook, that blue weird, fuzzy thing just spoke to my soul. There was Point of Grace, those amazing four women. There was Twyla Paris, and, and there was Sandy Patty, and there was, hey man, I mean, we're having church now. 
and there's Brian Duncan and his Christmas tape that we still listen to today, thank the Lord. God, going to listen to that tonight. I bought it off of iTunes. You're welcome, Brian Duncan. Probably got a check from iTunes and was like, somebody bought what? Is this a royalty check for what? You're welcome, Brian, if you're listening. I got you. There was a band called For Him. They were the NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys of the Jesus movement. DC Talk was the Eminem. For Him was the Backstreet Boys. I love both of them. They came to Lake Charles, Louisiana when I was younger. My dad knew one of the guys of For Him. Marty, first name basis. <laughs> kind of a big deal. So my parents tell me, they say, hey, we're going to go backstage and meet Marty. And I mean, I'm a kid and I'm, you know, I mean, right now, if you told me I was going to go meet Marty, I'd probably, you know, oh my God, Marty, where are you at? What are you doing? I actually met his dad. His, he was at, yeah, dad go, his, Marty's dad goes to my parents' church. No? Nobody else is excited? All right, well, well I got I to gotta finish. Let's get to the story. And so uh, my parents say, hey, we're going to go backstage and meet Marty. I'm just like, you know, oh, my goodness, backstage for him. Nobody else. This is going to be awesome. So we go backstage. I'm just standing there with my, my dad and another friend, and I'm just, oh, it's for him. There are tour buses there, and I got a little, you know, uh, little paper with their picture on it, you know, they're just, you know, backstreet boyed up in their, in their 90s garb, and I think they signed it. It might have been one of them prepaid things that they already signed, but whatever. In my mind, they signed it. And it was just such an experience to get access to something that I wasn't supposed to have access to, and to get full benefit to walk in and experience that. Another thing that me and my wife like to do is we like to go to half-price books and just buy movies and, and then watch them. And so, but I get excited about the movie, but I, I get excited about another thing on the movie called the special features. And first service, I, I thought it was something that everybody did, but I like to call them special features. And <laughs> I get so excited when we get to watch special features, and there's like a little dance we do, and, and you know, but apparently that's a little weird for, but um, when you like for him, what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> Love you, Marty. Um, you're my guy. But I love watching special features because it's so amazing to go see behind the scenes of what you're not supposed to see or you're not supposed to experience. You know, I get to find out how they did those stunts. Or if it's a comedy, you get to see how they messed up with their lines or how they got hurt. If you watch the any Jackie Chan movies, you know, he's always slamming into the walls or takes a hundred times for him to do it. And every time he looks so cool doing it, you know. As a kid, I ran into the walls with my head, and they're like, oh, he's weird, he's couillon. Jackie Chan does it, gets a million dollars, but, you know, neither here nor there. All right, let's bring this back to Jesus somehow. Um, Jesus has made what was once unavailable, now available, available to us Gentiles. He gave us full access. In the Old Testament... God liked killing the Gentiles, but there was some event that happened where he went from hating them to loving them. There was some little phrase that his son uttered, it is finished, that somehow changed everything from hatred to love to opening us from, you're going to die and burn in hell to come into my house and I'm going to build you a mansion right next to my own people. 
He opened the door and made an access. He says, come and see, and you have access to every benefit. You can stay as long as you want. You can experience these healings, this salvation, this restoration as much as you want. Christianity is different than any other religion because you get the opportunity to dive as deep as you want to go. He says, my love knows no bound. It knows no limit. And you can push it as far as you want. You can be as healed as you want to be. You can be as saved as you want to be. You can fall in love and have a relationship with God, and you can do whatever you want to do as long as you want to go. Come and see what the Lord has done in your life. Come and see. And spend as much time as you want. Get as much as you can. Jesus says, do whatever you want. Remain, remain in my house. And the last thing, John chapter 1, 43 through 46. This is the second instance that we see the word come and see. Verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from McKinney, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Philip said, come and see. I imagine this story occurring that Philip goes to Nathanael he like gets up on a soapbox or a rock and he proclaims this audacious statement. He makes this bold statement, this, this statement that has been thought of in the back of all of God's people's mind as they search and seek who is their Savior. And let's bring verse 45 back up. And this is the statement that Philip says, we have found him. When he said that, they knew exactly who him was talking about, the Messiah. Everybody knew the scriptures. Everybody knew the prophecies. Everybody knew someone's coming. The Messiah's coming to save us. The Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. And he stands up and says, we have found him, of whom Moses, who is a big deal, kind of a big deal in the, in the Jewish area, people knew Moses, in the law, and also the prophets, they knew who the prophets were, and they knew what prophetic things the prophets had said. Wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I can see him just declaring this and, you know, putting his hands out and standing on this rock and saying, we found him, Nathaniel, we found him. And this is Nathaniel's response to this amazing, bold, deep claim. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Way to bring me down. Way to, way to really... Way to really do that. Appreciate it. It's funny how whenever we talk to people who maybe aren't saved, non-Christians, and we start proclaiming the gospel to them. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. If you believe that and you confess that, you are saved and will escape eternal damnation and you will spend eternity with God himself worshiping and celebrating. And you make these bold proclamations to these unsaved people and their response is, well, what about the dinosaurs? What? Excuse Jesus, he saved you. Is the earth really 6,000 years old? What? Excuse me? Did, 
he saved you. He died at the cross? No? Okay. We see Nathaniel just throw out this random thing. Can anything good come of Nazareth? What? He's, he's here. No. We, yes, something can. He's here. He's, we just talked about it. He's here. And Philip doesn't even bat an eye. He doesn't even entertain that statement. Because in the previous things, it says that Jesus himself told Philip, follow me. Come, follow me. And we don't know what the timetable was. It doesn't seem to be that long. But all of a sudden, Philip, who got called by God and radically changed by him, now all of a sudden, put up verse 46, 7, is now talking like God. Come and see. Come and see. Jesus says the same exact thing to the first two disciples. Come and see. Philip, just spending a small amount of time with God, now all of a sudden, speaking just like him. Well, you come and see, because I've already done it. You can say whatever you want to say, but come and experience this, and I guarantee you, you're going to start changing. We know it changed him because Nathaniel started following him. Carlos Norman Hathcock II. Anybody that knows anything about military or the Marines has heard that name before. He's one of the most decorated snipers in the Marines and the military across the board. Fought in the Vietnam War. Confirmed, confirmed 93 kills. He says it was closer to 3,400. Who's counting? <laughs> Apparently him. 3,400. There's a particular story about when he was in the jungle, they dropped him off many, many miles away from this compound to shoot this very important target. And he wore it throughout his different missions and campaigns, but he put on a ghillie suit that day. For those who aren't in the military idea of what it is, you basically put on the surroundings around you to where you conform to what's around you. So he puts on this ghillie suit that's made up of trees and grass and all kind of different things so he can blend into the jungle. They drop him off and he just starts army crawling, stomach crawling to this place. Three, four days of just straight crawling to get to his target. He crawls and he crawls. He stops. And when he wants to eat and eat a cracker, he has to bring it, bring it, hours at a time, hours, hours, take a bite, bring it back down, chew, chew. Well, there's one day, talked about ants crawling up his legs, and he couldn't move or scratch them. Talked about how he was crawling, would come across snakes. They'd be right there at his face. Well, just keep crawling, hope it doesn't bite you. He talks about being in this ghillie suit and being so surrounded by his surroundings that when he gets to the compound, they send out a century of soldiers to check out the perimeter. And he says on multiple times, he says the Viet Cong would be within footsteps of stepping on his hand or stepping on him. And he would just freeze as they would walk right past him and brush past him. And finally they brought everybody back. He finds his target, puts a round in the chest, and heads on home to eat a steak dinner. But that ghillie suit completely covered him and protected him. And it's amazing when you get around Jesus 
that you start talking and acting and being just like him. Come and see. Philip's only been there for a couple hours, maybe a day or two, and he's so in love with Jesus, and he's been so radically changed by Jesus. He's telling people these audacious statements that could have got him in trouble, if not killed, for saying something so crazy. And then backing it up with, well, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I, I, could be, I could be joking. You know, may, maybe we should just see what this Jesus has to do. He doubles down and says, no, you come and see him. You come and experience him. And so as I close, I want to encourage you and ask you, what are you seeking? What are you seeking right now in your life? Because Jesus today is saying, come and see me about it. Ask again. You could have done it the whole time, really. I'd play some for him. <laughs> Draw back your bow? No? I'll sing it. Just get the... What do you seek? Is it salvation? Is it healing? Is it restoration? Is it revival of a dream or a vision? Is it revival of a prophetic word that's happened in your life? What are you seeking? Because Jesus says, come and see. Come and see me. Whatever you ask, he's ready and willing to give that to you. And once you experience him, and once you encounter him, you can't help but make these crazy claims. Jesus healed me. You go walk into a Walmart and tell somebody that, they're going to be like, oh, sure you did. <laughs> cool. Christians make some crazy claims. But I'm here to tell you that he's backed up every claim that I've ever made. He's healed me. He's restored me. He saved me. He freed me. He's allowed me to stand up here and do this. I, don't, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> it was the farthest thing from my mind to get up and preach to people and be in front of people. And every, every time I get up, he gives me the confidence to do it again. I'm a living testimony of asking him over and over again and him continually showing up and providing even more than I've ever even imagined. He doesn't just take you in the house. He lets you experience the whole house. And when you do that, it's so easy to tell other people about him. And I just put it all back on Jesus, just like Philip did. Well, go and see him. You don't believe me? That's fine. Go see him. Come and see. Come and see. So as we finish, let's stand up. Just for a couple seconds in this moment, in this atmosphere, I want you, all of us, just raise our hands and let's for just a couple of seconds, let's tell Jesus what we're seeking. Let's, let's remind ourselves and let's remind him of what we are seeking right now. Because he's already said, come and see. He's already, he's already given you the answer of come and see. 
But let's revive that. Let's rekindle that. Let's bring that back up. Let's bring up whatever that hurt or pain or that frustration or that issue is. Let's bring that to him right now because he's saying, I'm seeking. What do you seek from me? What do you want from me? Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Come and see me. Come and experience the freedom. Come and experience the healing. Come and experience me. Come and experience the relationship. Come and experience the love. Right now, he is talking, he's answering, and he's recovering, and he's healing, and he's meeting you. Father God, I thank you that you've heard every need, everything that each and every person here is seeking, that they just spoke and you're moving upon their behalf. Right now, with their hands raised, they are coming and seeing you today. They are coming to your house. They are asking to borrow this and to receive that and to experience this, to go deeper in a relationship with you, Father. And I ask you that you meet them right now. If you answered Peter and Andrew, and you've answered me, and you've answered things at this church, I know that you will answer these people today. Speak into their lives. Drop that seed. Bring it back to their first love today, Father. And as they go into this week, rekindle those desires. Each and every person here, God, I know is called to be used in your kingdom somehow. And we need you. We need you, church. We need you on the front lines. We need you at your job serving God. We need you healing the sick at the restaurants. We need you going to your jobs and your families and changing the atmosphere. We need you to do that. And right now is the opportunity to ask and you shall receive. Come and see me, Jesus says. Come and see me. Every moment that you have, come and see him. Father, I thank you today for this word that went forth, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you for this word that went forth, that it will fall on good ground in each and every person's spirit, and it will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, even 100-fold. Father, I thank you that it says in your word that if God is on our side, what can any man do to us? Because greater are you that is in us than anything that can come against us in this world. Father, I thank you that everyone here has the mind of Christ and their body is the temple of the Most High God. And where you reside, no sickness or disease can reside there because by Jesus' stripes, each and every person here is already healed. Father, I thank you that everyone here is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now and they are blessed where they are going. I thank you that because they are your sons and daughters, the favor of God surrounds them like a shield and everything they put their hands to must prosper. And Father, I thank you that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. They're a city set on a hill. We refuse to be hidden. If you told us to come and see and you changed our lives, then we'll tell everyone that we come in contact with, go and see them. Go and see them if you need healing. Go and see them if you need salvation. And I thank you, Father, that you are empowering us to operate in the gifts that you've given us. Father, bless your people as they head out until they return again to this amazing church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.